0: We train the passion out of kids, unfortunately, nowadays, right? We should really know what we're interested in. The things that we're interested in are the things that light us up. Like, what would we do? And especially as it relates to a job or a a business potential, what would you do if you could do it, like, even though you weren't getting paid for it, you know? Uh, and it's just so unique for people. If you're not sure what your passion is, it's, it's like expanding your palate and food. You have to test and nibble different things, right? And if you go and try on these different activities and, and with a focus on like really what lights you up and what can you do forever, that's the way to find something that you're, you're probably, you know, whether it's choosing that career or, or trying to get into some sort of business that, that is going to have staying power to it.
1: Welcome in to another episode of The Professional Profiles Podcast that uncovers the time-tested wisdom for the next generation. Join me, a forward-thinking teen, as I engage in insightful conversations with industry titans, revealing the invaluable ingredients that pave the way to achieving remarkable success. Mike Fada is a seasoned entrepreneur and health advocate whose journey began with a pivotal decision to prioritize his well-being. Facing the challenges of weighing 300 pounds and lacking the energy for a fulfilling future, he lost 100 pounds and co-founded Mountainoba Harvest Hemp Foods in 1998. Over the next 25 years, Mike dedicated his life to studying natural health and entrepreneurship, going on to build a $100 million business and sell it for $419 million. Currently, he wears the hats of best-selling author, keynote speaker, and host of the Founder to Mentor podcast. He also works as an investor and advisor to a diverse portfolio of companies, showcasing his commitment to fostering positive change in the business world. I really hope you enjoy this wonderful interview. And if you did, please, please share it with someone that could use it. I really appreciate it. And I'm sure they will too. Anyways, I hope you enjoy. So thank you, Mike, for joining me. I really appreciate your time. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, thanks for having me. So just to start, I'd love for you to walk us through your career path and the things that you have done to lead you to where you are today.
0: Yeah, I'd give you just the, uh, you know, kind of how I got into business first. I um, grew up with a poor single mom, dropped out of school when I was 14, started working. And after six years of working construction and different jobs, I, uh, I found my passion for health. And uh, after losing 100 pounds of weight, got into the health food business I guess the claim to fame uh, was starting Manitoba Harvest in 1998, and over 20 years, grew that business from zero to 100 million in revenue. And then, and then we sold the business a couple times. And over the last four years ish now, um, I've been developing a building a portfolio of companies uh, in the natural product space, in the health food space, and helping the founders uh, grow their business with investment advisement and and being a mentor.
1: So can we just jump into your journey in the health field? Um, and just to start, what sparked your desire to change and get on the this health journey that's led you to where you are today?
0: Yeah, you know, I was eating way too much fast food when I was young and, uh, and being lazy and doing stupid things like smoking cigarettes when I was a teenager. And I found myself at 18 years old, weighing 300 pounds and just feeling crappy all the time. I was literally just always sick or tired and uh, just w- had enough of it really one day I just I felt so shitty I, I just wanted to feel better and also had a drive at that time you know I wanted a, a girlfriend instead of having uh, you know girls as friends and um, decided I was just going to do something about it but the inspiration the aha was just like having enough and and I guess I hit my rock bottom uh, at 18 and uh, and then started making my healthy lifestyle changes from there.
1: So, could you tell me how you transitioned from working in the labor field early on to entrepreneurship? What caused you to make that shift?
0: So, you know, I had again; it was mostly construction, but a number of a handful or two of of jobs um, from when I was fourteen to twenty, and and I had I had been um, I had been growing in my position. So, I my last role I was working in asphalt and concrete, uh, and I was the foreman of a crew, and so I, I had four. Four or five people that reported to me and I was basically as a foreman responsible for uh, the full life cycle of the job um, from showing up and, and, uh, and putting a project plan together to executing the job and, and all the way through to kind of final product. And my brother and I, who was also working in same similar field, thought, you know, why are we working for somebody else? We could just do this ourselves and, and full, have the full control over the full business instead of just the, uh, over the job. So I had this kind of entrepreneurial itch then, I guess, and, and thought I had enough experience from the work that I had done that I, I knew how to, I knew how to get a job done right, and and uh, and I knew how to learn uh, things that I didn't know in uh, uh, on the job, and um, uh, it just so happened that you know my my interest in health at that time aligned and and, uh, and got me more in the health food business, or I probably would have been starting my own construction company and got into entrepreneurship that way.
1: So can you walk us through the journey of your first company, like how you started and the process up until selling it?
0: Yeah. I didn't know anything about business, so I I had to figure out how to incorporate a company. And thankfully, my mom was in... um, She used to work for Shoppers Drug Mart, which is a big drugstore chain in Canada. And so even though... you know, that's not in the product business. She was, she was in, she was a controller, finance controller. So she was in the business of business. And, uh, and so she was a good mentor for me saying like, Hey, here's how you go down to the company's office and, and start a new company. And here's how you get your, uh, your, your tax ID numbers and stuff to, to actually start to be able to do business. And, uh, and here's what it looks like. You know, I, I had, I had been, um, uh, when I was younger, uh, saw her, you know, bring home, basically the retail end of, of her work at home. And I, and I, and I saw the different aspects of, okay, how do you, how do you balance sales and, and, you know, really put together an income statement and some of the financials, what does that mean? So I had her mentorship on that as well, but really just got this start from day one um, of getting the company up and running and then, and then figuring, you know, what product was I going to sell our first hemp seed product and, and who, who was I going to sell it to like figuring that out one day at a time.
1: What did you do different than other companies in the space?
0: Well, you know, we were one of the pioneers, so there wasn't I wouldn't say that there wasn't other companies in the space. It was really the start of the industry, so there wasn't. We didn't have any bigger competitors. We had a bunch of maybe entrepreneurs that were trying to also be a pioneer. You know, maybe your question like how did we outcompete them? I believe we outcompeted them in a number of different ways. Like I was just super interested in in health and a lot of people that were interested in marketing hemp or hemp, even hemp seed were coming at it from the hemp aspect. And I was coming at it from the health aspect. So back in the day, in the late nineties, there was like hemp stores, you know, there still are some, but you know, generally now hemp products are sold in, in, in normal retail. Right. Uh, and so I didn't see it as, Oh, this is going to be a product for hemp stores. I saw like, because I was, I, I had my weight loss and, and lifestyle changes that we're going to sell this in a health food store right, right next to the flax seed or the chia seed. So I think, I think that focus on the market and, and understanding of the consumer was, was one big, uh, competitive advantage. Um, but then from there we had three co-founders that started the business. And, and so I think just even more, more operations, uh, muscle that we could put to, uh, to, to the company and also gave us some competitive advantage in the early days.
1: So could you just tell me like, who is the type of person that would excel in entrepreneurship? Like what are the qualities and skills that it takes to find success in the field?
0: Yeah, I think, um, you know, you need to be a self-starter. Um, no one's telling you what to do, right? So you have to be interested in, in learning something new and then being able to take action. I think that's, that's first and foremost, you could say that as being like visionary, you know, have like the vision of something bigger would set you up for entrepreneurship. Um, a lot of discipline, you know. Like, whereas you go to a job, you could check in at nine o'clock and kind of just and check out. And uh, where entrepreneurship is not that way, you generally have to be more thinking about your business or your product or your opportunity all the time to to really bring that uh, to market. So, um, vision and then and discipline and then and then I don't know how you want to frame that last one. I'll like, Maybe grit is the right word, but persistence. You know, entrepreneurship is really just so much about consistency. So, for people that aren't sure. Uh, I would tell them if you're not sure, you're, you're not ready for entrepreneurship. You know, uh, If you want to go all in on something, and I don't care if that all in is like you want to make the newest flavor of Pop-Tarts or there's like a certain shoe that you want to bring to market or whatever it is, if you can't get that out of your mind, that sureness and the thought of maybe wanting to do this forever you know, for the rest of your life is a good strength for determining if someone's well-suited to become an entrepreneur.
1: So the qualities of discipline, grit, and consistency, how would you say that, one can cultivate, um, those skills. Yeah. I like, um,
0: uh, you know, I think a lot about that, you know, being an entrepreneur is like being an athlete, right. And I've met a lot of, um, I've met a lot of athletes and people that train their body and their mind, their physical body and their mind that, that thou can take that into, you know, um, into business and, and make something of like it that's even my own personal experience, right? Like being a 300 pound uh, teenager to, to then losing hundred pounds and going from like totally out of shape to, Oh, I'm in control of my own body. I can be physically fit. I can run now. I can swim. I could do all this sports I couldn't do before that thought of like, if I can control, um, what happens and, and, and manifest and like change in my body, then I can learn about it and take that discipline into anything in life. Because really business, um, is, is a, about repetitions. It's about learning what is good look like, which in exercise could be like, what's the exercise and and what's good form look like. And then it's about doing it, you know, 10 times, a hundred times, a thousand times and, and you naturally get better at it. So I do like that, that uh, analogy of the the modeling between like uh, entrepreneurship
1: and, and, uh, and athleticism. For sure. Um, And so would you consider your job right now as an angel investor slash advisor to companies?
0: and not really an angel investor i'm i'm more of a venture investor so you know the difference being angel investors are more early stage when we grew the business to 100 million dollars i thought you know i i don't like operating a 100 million dollar company but i wanted to get off the escalator get down to you know around that 5 million maybe 10 million dollars in in revenue is a is a great place in a company to really grow to the next level and and i have some unique skill set because uh, you know a lot of entrepreneurs don't don't make it to that mark uh, and the ones that do will need support to kind of transition into more of a, um, formal management. So, uh, not startup investing, but investing in, in, uh, in growth stage companies. And then, yeah, advising the founders and the management team, or playing a, a fiduciary role, uh, as, a, uh, as a, as a, as uh, a,
1: director or, or even chairing of the board. So what's your most common piece of advice or suggestion to these people that you advise when you work with their companies?
0: Yeah, just have a very st- strong and clear plan, and then execute the plan. Um, it, it gets even more important as the business um, starts to grow. Um, you know, your plan is your roadmap in business, and and um, and too many entrepreneurs they they can they're gu- they're good at making something out of nothing. That's why they're an entrepreneur, which can work for a certain period of time. But there's this transition in business, and I like to use the analogy instead of like hunting. You turn, you turn from a hunter into a farmer. Well, what does every farmer need is that you need a good plan, you know, meaning like what are you going to do from a sales and marketing and operations and finance to grow the business and how do those all work together or grow at the same time and relate to your budget, right? Um, so critically important to sit down and strategically plan uh, and work through that plan and then, and then execute the plan. And, and the big part of executing the plan is like saying no to things that don't, fit into the plan because, you know, as entrepreneurs as well, like the shiny object syndrome is, is, uh, people, oh yeah, maybe that fits into our business too, or maybe we should be doing that. So, uh, if, if you have that plan, it's easy to, to, to focus on the things that you're going to do and then say no to everything else.
1: So what happens when that plan may, might not succeed or it fails? What do you, it, well, the, the, the
0: thing about a plan, a good plan and, 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 and what you get good at as an entrepreneur, or as a manager and a CEO in business is it's always about, Checking and readjusting the plan—it's basically a living, breathing document, right? Because you're always getting new insights. So um, the way that that looks is like annually we'd have a, a strategic planning session where maybe you take a day or two and really work out the details of the plan. And again, I like to think about it departmentally. So I always think, you know, sales, marketing, ops, and finance. Like, what what are the three or four key things that have to happen in each one of those departments, and how does that relate to the to the annual plan? Um, but then quarterly, you want to check in on that plan and spend maybe it's a half a day to kind of review. You know, in big business, that's done in board meetings, right? The board meeting is a review of the strategic plan and and then is there adjustments that need to be had? You know, maybe we thought we were going to launch this new product this year and we got insights from the market that one of our other products is just doing so well that we might we better put all of our selling and marketing resources into that existing product and, and just delay the new product launch. So you're always getting new insights, and those insights should be should be taken to, 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 to adjust your plan. then you take that down from a governance uh, standpoint to like a monthly and doing a financial review, because that's usually when some of those uh, insights will bubble up from the day-to-day operations. And um, yeah, so the the plan's got to be, it's, 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 it's a continuous improvement of that plan.
1: So looking back on your journey as an entrepreneur, what would you have done differently if you could do it all over again?
0: I wouldn't have done anything differently, you know. I, I got I got to where I I am right now. I believe by the path that I that I took. So, um, you know, if there's anything, it's more on the personal side than the business side. And the personal side it was as, as I would never sacrifice my health. You know, I went through this major health transition where I lost weight and I and I regained my health. But over the 25 years as being an entrepreneur. Growing a business from zero to hundred million dollars, there was times, um, weeks, and even months where stressful periods, uh, and thinking, you know, I can sacrifice my sleep, I could sacrifice my my nutrition because I'm traveling or less working out, and and that had consequences. Like there was times that I felt more like burnt out, and so if there was something uh, on that journey, it would be more on my, you know, just never, never letting myself sacrifice my personal health and lifestyle values that were key.
1: So how important is finding and building a good team? Um, And how do you see companies that are successful that you've worked with, use building a good team and finding qualities that are that work well together? How do you see that um, working out? yeah it's
0: i mean it's critical right it's you know uh, hey there's there's solopreneurship there's some businesses that you could be a solopreneur and you could be a team of one and be effective that way so that that is possible but um for most companies and and the big uh, bigger companies that's usually not the case you need to need to build a team i like to think about a team um you know right from starting up of a business through to growth in the maybe the simplest way what are all the what are all the duties what are all the things that have to happen in the business for the business to be successful. Uh, and then you need coverage of that. So, um, um, you know, normally there's, there's the front of the house and the back of the house, right? Like there's sales and marketing. Someone's got to go out and create a product and go and sell it to people. Uh, and then there's the back of the house, uh, you know, operationally make that product or get it in the warehouse and, 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 uh, and finance, like, you know, invoice it and, and buy it and all that stuff. So, um, you know, usually I find that entrepreneurs have strength in, in one of the two. It's like the restaurant, you know, like you get front of the house waitress uh, service or hosting or back of the house chef and, and, the, and the support. So doing a uh, having understanding as an entrepreneur, like what are your strengths? Are you really a sales and marketing person? Okay, well, then probably the first person on your team whether it's a co-founder or it's your first employee would be an operations and finance person so that you could do more of the things that you're good at to bring in money into the business. Right. Same thing. If uh, the opposite would be true if you're, if you're like an, and I'd say for me personally, because I was a introverted kid, I I, I was always nerdy and I was very interested in how things worked. Operations and and finance were, were more natural to me. My mom was an accountant. So I, I had that, I just had that natural sense. So everything that I've, been successful in in sales and marketing has been more learned uh, behavior and 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 uh, um, and really you know putting a lot of focus and effort there um, it's 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 a place that I had to make sure that I surrounded myself with great people on my team
1: so I'd love to shift now to your book titled grow 12 unconventional lessons for becoming an unstoppable entrepreneur so first what inspired you to write it
0: I have a very unique path, right? Um, and there's plenty of business books about, um, you know, people growing up and and having a great idea, having you know having dollars, having a great family, going to a great school, um, and, and becoming successful. There's less on some of the what I'd call the un- unconventional path to to success, and and I've always wanted to stand up for that. Uh, not to say that formal education, or if you're, if you're, if you have the privilege of having wealthy parents and they could, they could support you into, into your venture, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. But there's plenty of people standing up for that. There's less people standing up for saying, Hey, even though you grew up poor, even though you were, you were nerdy or you're overweight or you're uneducated or, or you didn't have formal education, you could still find your path to success, you know, and you could do it in a way that there's, there's techniques and there's approaches there that are a little bit more unconventional, you know, focusing on, um, so focusing on your personal passions, you know, and understanding what is your gifts that you can bring to the world? What is your why as an, as an entrepreneur, you know, focusing on building community and doing that because when you have a community of people that support you, you're going to become more of an unstoppable entrepreneur. And there, there's just a number of things that I felt like they were a foundational part of my success. They got, they, they were less talked about and um, there was a certain... There's a certain group of people that could really benefit from from hearing those lessons from me.
1: So you just mentioned finding your why as an entrepreneur. How would you suggest that younger people find their whys? Maybe not even an entrepreneur, but finding their passion and finding out what they're good at.
0: Yeah. It's kind of interesting you know because and I've seen some uh some recent like uh scientific studies and even I think NASA did some like we we trained the passion out of kids unfortunately nowadays right by like a little bit we educated out of out of out of kids uh because it's we should really know um what we're interested in the things that we're interested in are the things that light us up like what would we do and especially as it relates to a job or or a a business potential what would you do if you could, um, and and uh, and you could do it, like even though you weren't getting paid for it, you know? Uh, and it's just so unique for people. Like some people, again, would be, um, you know, they, they all they think about is sports and the, and and like soccer. They can't get out of their mind. Well, there's, you likely should be find a potential job in 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 the sports industry or soccer or entrepreneurship, and just think of how wide that could be you know it's not you don't have to be a professional athlete um you you could be making soccer balls you could be you could make an app that that um helps people get together for soccer games you could be in media and be a content creator that's that's all around soccer like but all that ties to something that you, you you can't stop thinking about so um and I mean, to your question specifically there, if you're not sure what your passion is, it's, it's like expanding your palate and food. You have to test and nibble different things, right? And, uh, and, and, and I think if you, if you go and try on these different activities uh, and with a focus on like really what lights you up and what can you do forever, that's the way to find something that you're, you're probably, you know, whether it's choosing that career or, or trying to, to, to get into some sort of business that that is going to have staying power to it.
1: hmm so I'd love to just isolate three of the 12 lessons in your book that really stuck out to me when I was reading over them. So lesson three was how to feel like you. Could you dive into that a little bit? Um,
0: yeah, our, our superpower is being uniquely ourselves, right? And we're all different. But I think that uh, my experience, I, I, I used to do this when I was younger, standing out, like I wanted people to like me. And so I thought, like, how do I have to show up? Um, so other people will like me instead of like who who truly am I and and how can I be my my best self and uh, because it, it goes beyond like if you're if you're doing something that you love um, you're going to be able to show up as your best self um, there is a health aspect to it and I'm I'm a big believer in health because if we're not our healthiest self physically mentally and emotionally it, it, it's going to be hard for us to to show up but you know I, I think it, it starts with that like you need to be loud and proud of who you truly are Um, and because that's when your community is going to really form around you, uh, true people that want to support
1: you. So lesson five, make friends first. Could you dive into what you mean by that?
0: Yeah. And this, people misunderstand me on this one. So, you know, I I say make friends first and do business second. And I, and I really mean like make relationships first, do business second. Um, And where, where some of the misunderstanding is, is, um, is, you know, I use a business example. If you're selling a product and and you're going into a retailer and and you're trying to get access on their shelf, if you're just a business transaction, you know, no one's really going to care about you. Right. But if you understand that the store owner or their manager's name or even the buyer is named Paul and and Paul. You know, loves hockey and and because uh, he's always wearing the jersey, and he has a young son that you see in the store. Like, there's things that you can learn about someone and be really friendly and understand relationships. So when you go there, you're talking to Paul and like, hey Paul, how's it going? And 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 uh, did you see the game last night? Or you know, being friendly, right? Where people misunderstand me is they think. Oh, you're now expecting something from them—not what you would expect from your friend, but what you what you would provide and give to your friend. If you if you could start um, business relationships like that, you're going to be that much more successful because it's not then a buy sell uh, transaction; it, it, it's it's a true relationship,
1: for sure. Um, and lesson eleven, which is let your change change the world, could you dive into that? Yeah, hey, it
0: starts with understanding your why the better you have a better understanding of your why you're going to be able to make a potential global impact right i've loud and proudly put out there after my own health changes I, I want to make this world a healthier place you know some people think that's ridiculous cuz they say yeah oh, the world's you know there's there's a lot of bad things going on in this world i don't care even if it's if even if it's living in the in the bubble right now for me like i show up and i want to support uh, healthy companies i want i want to see my friends and family healthier i want to go and support health festivals uh, organizations that are that are helping this world become healthier like, that's my impression of, like, what I want the world to remember about my impact. And it, and it starts with me being authentically myself um, so that I can share that, right? It's different for everybody. It usually starts with, like, finding out your why, uh, what you're going to bring to the world, um, what is your best day ever, kind of, what what, what are you living, and then, and then amplify that uh, and build community around that.
1: Okay, so as we close, I have a few questions left that I try to keep consistent across my interviews. And this first one is, if you were given a billboard that's put in front of millions of eyes, what quote, phrase, or idea would you share with the world?
0: Live your best day ever every day.
1: And if you were to give a TED Talk on five minutes notice, like a 10-minute TED Talk, what would you talk about and why would you talk about it?
0: Yeah. I talk about, uh, growth, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer. I know that, you know, we come from nature. Uh, it's part of it for me. If you think about plants, um, that have an unlimited amount of opportunity to grow, you put them in the right soil, you feed them the right nutrients. People I believe are the same. So again, it doesn't matter where you came from, what your upbringing was, um, what trouble you got yourself into when you hit rock bottom, it, when you decide to grow both, Personally and professionally, there's there's an unlimited amount of opportunity and and there's a path that you could take uh, uh, to get there. So I uh, I still live that 25 years later on my growth journey, and and I can uh, I can speak that loudly and proudly to uh, and hopefully there's a TED talk one day. I'm doing more public speaking, so I do enjoy it.
1: That'd be awesome. Um, and in closing, what would be your one piece of advice to high school you? Build more community. You know,
0: it's uh, whether you're whether you go the entrepreneurship route or you're or you go a career path. Um, the more people that that uh, that you have relationships with, and and um, um, over time, um, is going to is, is really going to help you in 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 life. Doesn't always feel that way uh, coming out of school, but uh, you know, being in my late forties now, I see that uh, a, a big part of my success was the community that I created and. Um, if I would have done that even sooner, it would have been, it would have been more beneficial.
1: Thank you so much for talking with me. I really appreciate your time and your insights. Thank you for coming on.
0: Yeah. Thanks again for having me.